Hello and welcome to this bonus bunker episode with me, Chris Jones. Now, if you've paid any attention to Tucker Carlson's new gig on Twitter since leaving Fox News, you'll have seen he's interviewed some pretty sketchy figures of late. And one of his last and most watched is with Hungarian Prime Minister and close ally of Vladimir Putin, Viktor Orban. Tucker has a pretty strange relationship with Hungary, and last year he even released a documentary, if you can call it that, villainizing George Soros. So what was the point of this latest interview? What did it achieve? And what can we take away from it? Well, to answer all those questions, I spoke to 24.hu journalist Jolt Kerner, and I started by asking him what he thought of the interview. Well, it wasn't surprising as much for Hungarian audiences because um, it's kind of expected. Viktor Orban rarely does interviews with independent media in Hungary, and it's not by chance, it's by design. He tries to give interviews in a situation where he can control the narrative. But in recent years, there has been a trend emerging where he doesn't even give interviews to pro-government media. And it seems like it's just an opinion, but it seems like he's kind of bored of it. They just transmit the messages uh, but rarely sits down for a longer-term interview. But there is another seemingly obvious trend in Hungarian politics that Viktor Orban wants to be a global player. And for a politician, it's understandable. He has no real opposition in Hungary. He has no real challenge to challenge him. So he looks for a bigger stage. And that's why he likes to sit down for deeper conversations and bigger interviews with uh, more famous or more Western journalists. And um, it's hard to say that anybody would be more famous in the English language world as a, as a, as a right-wing interviewer than Tucker Carson. So it, uh, it kind of gives him everything he wants about this. He seems like a bigger player. He sits down with the guy who interviewed Trump just a few weeks before him, and he seems like a global player in politics. Yeah, and you talk about controlling the narrative there. I remember when I was in Budapest and uh, and it was around the election time and uh, Orban's party, the Fidesz, were using a tactic of of putting up posters around the city of um, the opposition as Dr. Evil and Mini-Me. So he's really no uh, stranger to using, as you say, narrative controlling tactics. But th- this really wasn't a, a chance interview, was it? Tucker Carlson has a relationship with Hungary and he's, he's, he's been there before. It's a pretty strange relationship. What, what what do you make of it? Tucker seems to have a really good relationship with Hungary, but I don't think it's just Tucker. So there has been uh, a reach out of, of Hungary to figures in the new right in the United States. From the alt-right to the world of Trump, there has been several figures who came here to Hungary. And the focal point of that is uh, MCC, the institution that they built up to serve as a as a political ideological center, right, which distributes actually opinions quite different from Viktor Orban's sometimes, but uh, not usually. And they invite these people who are already famous to a degree or becoming famous in the United States to have grants and to live and study in Hungary, write books yeah. uh, for quite good salaries, actually. So they give these people who are not very well-known Ivy League category salaries to live in Budapest, which is like a very beautiful city and it's very comfortable to live here on a foreign-like salary. And they like the city. So it's not just Tucker. They 
they all Chris Rufo have have been here for a while. There are people who permanently live here as a English counter intelligentsia to the prevailing liberal uh, democratic narrative of the West. What they what they think about is, um, and it's really hard to see what Tucker likes about Budapest. It's hard hard to understand what he gets out of this. Uh, but I would guess mainly views, because if I just looked at Tucker's Twitter or X page uh, just a few moments ago, and his interview with Viktor Orban did quite well, we can only see the reach, how many people the post reached, and it was above 120 million people. And the only recent interview he did that did better than this was the interview with Trump that did three times as much as this. But people in the sphere where people actually listen to Tucker are interested in what Orban has to say. And that's because they have been building him as a global character that can teach a message to kind of the new right about what, what's working, what do you have to do, what's important, how to do things. You mentioned the Twitter audience there and, and the amount of people that it potentially could have reached. But what about in, in Hungary itself? People who uh, would have seen this this video go on online of, of Tucker and Viktor Orban. What, what do people in Hungary make of what was said during that interview? I don't think that this interview was meant for Hungarian audiences. And I'm not sure that many Hungarians actually seen it. They've seen clips of it because uh, the prime minister has posted several clips about it. I think what was meant from this interview for the Hungarian audience was only the fact that Tucker Carlson sat down for an interview with Viktor yeah. Orban. And also they heavily published the numbers about it. So it, the post has reached more than 100 million people. And it sounds great for a Hungarian audience that has always heard that Viktor Orban is alone in Europe, that we lost all of our allies and... Now they can see a very famous person sitting down for an interview with him and reaching a lot of people. But I don't think that the messages or even the interview itself was meant for Hungarian audiences. Right. Well, let, let's get stuck into what was actually said, or, or some of the main topics that were said during that interview, because there were some, not bombshells, but some pretty bold statements that were made by both uh, Tucker and, and Viktor Orban. One of the, the, the main things that has come out of this interview is that Orban basically called for the return of Trump to the White House, uh, saying that he's the one uh, that can save all humanity from World War III. What, what do you make of that? Viktor Orban is very good in hedging actually. He's a gambler in politics. He has right. nothing to win from another Biden term or any any Democrat actually in the United States. So he took a bet. And this was the last time, actually, it was very similar when he was the first sitting prime minister to come out behind Trump when he was first running for president. And it paid off, actually, because they have a good personal relationship. I wouldn't say that the Hungarian-US relationship is is better because of that. But the president's and the Hungarian prime minister's relationship is much better. So it's not that big of a gamble to say that if I come behind Biden or if I didn't don't say anything about the issue and Biden wins, there is nothing in it for Viktor Orban. But if he comes out behind Trump, it's actually it might be a big win because Trump can have a really good relationship and like, like uh, get Orban side by side with him and Orban becomes a seemingly bigger figure in itself. And also it's quite 
ironic to see as a Hungarian that Viktor Orban, who always talks about sovereignty, always talks about other countries, that they shouldn't actually uh, say anything about Hungary's internal politics. They shouldn't talk into what Hungary is doing. It's a sovereign country. We do what we want to do. Openly asking for an allies president to be changed. So it's a very interesting viewpoint. They only care about sovereignty and uh, and not not uh, talking into other countries' elections when it's about Hungary. For me, looking from the outside within, it's really hard to position exactly who Orban thinks his allies are because he doesn't quite condemn Putin, but he's also not not on his side. He he wants Trump back in the White House, but he doesn't want to fall out with anyone else, really. And also, he, he's in danger of angering his NATO allies in the rest of Europe. So it's really quite a, a tight balancing act that Orban has to play here on, on the world stage, as you mentioned earlier on. Do you think part of the reason that he has failed to condemn Putin uh, in the way that perhaps people might have liked to have seen him done is because Hungary still takes a lot of gas, for example, from, from Russia? Well, that is one obvious reason. They also say that it's about debt. It's about energy dependence. In reality, it's also about hedging, again, because um, Orban understands that we are members of NATO, of the European Union. He often comes out against sanctions, but then he votes for them. So he never votes out of the, yeah. of the alliance. But he, I think he honestly believes that Russia cannot lose this war. And he said that in this interview. If you know the, you know, the Strossian reading of what he says and what he should actually think based on what he says, I think he honestly thinks that the Russians cannot really lose. And he's hedging in a future where Russia in the midterm can be integrated back to the world economy and it will probably bring a lot of money to Hungary and very good relationships. They have been building good relationships with Russia for more than a decade now. And he's hedging on not not sacrificing that much work and that good relationship on a war that will be lost by Ukraine. That's one point. But he also understands that Hungary's value doesn't come from Hungary's size or population or economic output. It comes from the fact that we are members of the NATO and members of the European Union. And he knows that our our Eastern allies or officially not allies, and what he called them is political friends. They also understand that. So they like Hungary because Hungary is a member of NATO. Putin probably likes Orban because he can show at home that even the EU is not not in a union about countering Russia. He can show other voices inside the European Union which agree with Russia on a lot of things. And it's very useful for him. Going back to what was said in that interview um, and relating to gas, uh, both had some pretty controversial views on the Nord Stream pipeline and, and how that was uh, sabotaged and who did it. Orban also brought up the, the, the Southern Corridor, which I mentioned provides uh, gas from Russia to Hungary. And he said that if, if anything were to happen to, to that corridor, that he would consider that a, a, an act of war and there would be immediate repercussions. Is that an empty threat? It's hard to know, actually, whether a prime minister of Hungary is strong enough to issue a threat like that. Um, I think it would have consequences depending on whom the government thinks has attacked the pipeline. Uh, well, I'm not sure about the plans, actually. 
if there is any plans to attack or any chance to attack the pipeline, there would be certainly consequences about it. Maybe in sanctions, maybe in policy regarding to Ukraine. I found it really interesting that we are officially allies with the United States. And when Tucker Carlson says that it's obvious that the United States blown up the pipeline, which is not at all obvious based on facts or any investigation, Viktor Orban did not say that it's we don't know yet. So we don't know what who, who did that. And, and it's kind of a play. It's a usual play in Hungarian politics when you play with people's preconceptions about the United States. And there are many in, in basically in the pro-government bunch, but in all of Hungary, about how the US can do basically anything it wants. And I believe that there is an overwhelming majority of people in Hungary who, who can certainly believe that the US blown up the pipelines. And Viktor Orban did not dispute that. But it was a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and just to, to uh, wrap up this conversation, you mentioned it a little bit at the start about Orban wanting to uh, promote himself more uh, in terms of being a global player. Do you think this interview does anything towards pushing him higher up in the ranks, as it were? Do you think it uh, that world leaders, that countries, that people all over the world will see that he sat down with uh, Tucker, uh, see this interview uh, and take him a bit more seriously? Do you think that's what he hopes and do you think that's what might happen? I don't think that this interview was meant for sitting prime ministers or leaders of countries. What I've seen is that several people, right-wing intelligentsia, political writers on the right, and even on the far left, share this post with the comment that you should just listen to the first part because this is the first time that they heard that, guys, Russia might be winning this war. And also the other thing is family policy. He had three very clear messages in that interview. One was that Trump should come back. The other is that Russia might win. And the third one is that Hungary is pro-family and birth rates are the biggest thing that you can care about right now. And he wanted to to get those messages across. And he wanted to get those messages across to the right-wing intelligentsia who write about politics, who write articles, and who talk about these issues on podcasts and stuff like this. So they might find them interesting, so they might invite people from Hungary over to their podcast, and uh, they can build an image of Hungary as a pragmatic, realist state that cares about Hungarians and cares about Hungarian families. Joe Kosonov. Listeners, so what do you think? Was this purely a power play for Viktor Orban in the hope to make other world leaders take him more seriously? Or was this something else? Let us know what you think. And if you enjoyed this episode and want more, why not back us on Patreon? For just three quid a month, you'll get all of our episodes first and ad-free. I'm Chris Jones, reporting from The Bunker. Bunker was written and presented by Chris Jones. The producer was Liam Tate, with audio production by me, Simon Williams. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The group editor is Andrew Harrison, with music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by James Parrott. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>